Yeah, let's run the shit out of the ball, baby. They're wrestling, so are we. Let's punch them in the mouth. Raise your glasses to kicking everybody's ass. <laughs> what is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Circle City Sports Podcast. As always, your host, Sam Sinclair, with me as always, Jake Elrod. Today, we're going to go through our own NFL Colts mock draft. Uh, with us today, we've got a special guest, actually. Um, you guys know him from his works with the Draft Network. He also posts a lot of funny memes on Twitter. He's Canadian, Carter Carter Donick. Carter, how are you doing today on this Sunday before the NFL draft, man? Oh, I'm doing great here. Uh, how about you guys? Doing pretty good, man. Just every time me and Jake talk about the draft, man, it just seems like it's further and further away, but it's only just a week away, man. It's just, It still seems like it's far and far away. There's so many un, unknown questions going on uh, before this draft on the Thursday. Sam and I have used your guys' uh, website a lot for information on some of these prospects. Yeah, we, we've used it a lot. I actually subscribed. Uh, you know, would want everyone to subscribe to them if you haven't. You know, only, what, nine ninety nine for this month to be able to get great access to some of these prospects. You guys do a lot of great in-depth work, so we appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. Yeah, so like I said, what we guys are going to do is we're, uh, we'll go through each of the Indianapolis Colts picks coming up in this NFL draft. Uh, we'll start with this second round, pick 34 overall. Um, and for further context, me and Jake actually use Draft Network's uh, mock draft machine. Jake was lucky enough to have a premium account, so we were able to trade picks if we needed so. And we're, what we were trying to do with each pick was take the guy that we think is best fit for the Colts and also combine it a little bit with what Chris Boward would probably take here at each pick. So uh, at 34, ironically enough, Chris Boward talks about wanting more picks and he even said that in the press conference the other day. So at 34, me and Jake really didn't see what we liked at 34, so we traded out of the pick. We ended up trading the 34th overall pick to Denver, the Denver Broncos, and they were able to uh, the Colts were able to get 77 and 83 overall in the third round. Or in the, yeah, in the third round. Uh, some available players that we thought would, could have been interesting was Ross Blacklock from TCU, Ron Davidson from Auburn, or even Urza Cleveland from Boise State. And uh, I know me and Jake weren't enamored by what we saw at 34, but Corey, I'll let you, I'll let you start it off. What, what did you think about this, this selection as I put up my air quotes? Well, I mean, I think that's, as you were saying before, you want to do something that's very Chris Ballard-esque. And I think trading down fits him to a T, right? He always is trying to get more assets, always trying to gain um, more selections. So I think that fits him, especially without having that first round pick this year. Um, as far as kind of guys who are on the board, um, like you said, Ross Blacklock was on the board. Maybe Neville Gallimore was on it. I'm not really sure if he was there at that point. But interior D-line, not as big of a need as it was uh, before acquiring DeForest Buckner. So I don't really see why you would have to go for someone there or like there's a must get player there. Um, Ezra Cleveland, he's a developmental guy. Like it, he might be a good fit because he can kind of sit behind Costanzo for a year or two as he gains his footing. Um, but I have issues with him, not as far as athleticism goes, but as far as kind of like, um, like finishing um, power, nastiness. I think he struggles in those areas. And for a very like run heavy team, I don't think that necessarily uh, matches up well with Indianapolis. So I think trading, I'm all for trading down unless a guy like, unless, unless somehow Jordan Love was there or you wanted to trade up for Jordan Love 
or, or a receiver that you didn't expect to fall was there that you were in love with. I'm really all for trading down at that point. Yeah, so yeah, and I'll, I, ask, I'll ask you real fast, Carter. What do you think about Cleveland? Do you think he's going to be a left tackle in the NFL or a right tackle? I think he will be a left tackle just because I think he has the foot quickness and athleticism to do so. But, again, he's a very developmental left tackle, and I'm not sure – very boomer bust so I'm not sure if he'll ever become a starter or the guy at that position yeah and I, I like how Carter brought up you know kind of a player like Jordan Love or you know kind of our thought process is behind this is unless a premium offensive tackle or a player that Chris Ballard deems is at you know kind of a critical position like he he swung the trade for DeForest Buckner because he views a three tech as a critical position I'm sure he views offensive tackle quarterback in that same type of realm. And unless one of those guys falls to them, I think that there's so much receiver depth in this draft that we were able to trade back and feel really good about it. Yeah, so we'll move on to the next pick, actually. The 44th overall pick, the original second-round pick that the Colts have. We, uh, we went with T. Higgins, wide receiver from Clemson. A lot of people know about him. Big catch radius. Should be a good receiver, not only for right now with Phillip Rivers, but in the future with whoever we have at quarterback. Uh, some other guys we had available, another receiver, K.J. Hamler from uh, Penn State. We also had edge – Marlon Davidson was still on the board, and we also had edge defender uh, Terrell Lewis from um, Alabama. And, Carter, I know as you, you know as much as we do that wide receiver is a big need for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, and, I mean, I'm personally not as high as T. Higgins as I know a lot of people are. I think there's kind of some issues with separation with him, um, quickness off the line of scrimmage, beating press all the kind of concerns you get with kind of a prototypical like big receiver, right? But there's no denying he's got extremely strong hands. Again, like you said, super large catch radius, very dependable, very good in sideline situations, has great awareness. So I see where he wins a lot of the same ways Mike Williams won with the Chargers, right? So you're getting that same big target for Phillip Rivers that he can use, um, that he can always, that's dependable on those third down situations. He can just chuck the ball up to, you know, he's an aggressive quarterback. So I think he fits well with what the Colts want. I don't know if 44 is necessarily the best value for him in such a deep receiver class, but considering you've already traded down, you got to make a selection at some point, right? And he's a very good fit and it's not too much of a reach. Um, and I mean, like on most sports, he's, he's right around that range. So most people wouldn't even consider him a reach at that point. Yeah. I, I have the same concerns with you in terms of, you know, getting contested catches guys coming out of college. I mean, you know, some guys have bad quarterbacks and certain situations where that's just kind of what, what they're drawn to. But, you know, T Higgins playing at Clemson with a good quarterback in a good system. I think that it is a little bit of concern to see him not be able to separate more, but I, I think that with Phillip Rivers coming in, we didn't have Michael Pittman on the board here. So um, he's a guy I'm a little bit higher on, but T Higgins is a guy that, like you said, can go down the field, win those contested catches and, with, with Philip Rivers coming in, I just I, that was the biggest reason why we picked him here is you need a guy that can come in immediately, big physical guy, losing uh, Devin Funches. I just think that that's a, a need for them, and that was kind of our thought process behind this pick. Yeah, so the next pick we went, this was the 74th overall pick in the third round. We went Prince Tega Wanogu. I'm going to guess that's how you say his name, the offensive tackle from Auburn. As us, Chris Ballards, we – tackle into the Auburn offensive line again going with an offensive tackle and hopefully especially in the third round we think that this guy can develop in a year or two and end up going uh, and replacing Anthony Costanzo on the left side and um, some other guys that are available we had some guys like Jacob Eason 
uh, quarterback from Washington, of course, Bryce Hall, a corner uh, DB, and then Matthew Purden, another offensive tackle that was available there at 74. But uh, we got, we really liked what we what we saw in Winogu right here. And uh, Carl, we really want to hear your thoughts on this pick. Yeah, so, I mean, Winago, kind of a guy who's got underrated throughout this process. I know when it started, people were talking about him kind of early second round or whatever, and it just seems like he's kind of fallen and fallen and fallen to the point where he can be available in that third round. Great developmental prospect. He's got some issues currently with, like, his footwork, and I think he could definitely add some pounds to his frame. Like, his frame suggests he should be much bigger than he actually is, and I think he kind of struggles with his anchor as a result of that. He's not great against kind of power bull rushes, but he's got everything you're looking for as far as like quickness goes um, as a pass protector. And I think it's very rare to find that kind of upside or developmental type in third or fourth round. It's very rare. You can find a guy who could potentially, you could say, Oh, could become our left tackle of the future this late. So I think it's a very good pick as far as that's concerned. Matthew Pert, similar guy. Um, I think his frame is more filled out, but I don't think he's got as much quickness um, as, footwork wise. So I think he's kind of offers a little less upside. Um, and as far as Jacob Eason goes, I like Jacob Eason in a vacuum, but I don't particularly like his fit with the Colts. I think he's very similar to a Jacoby Brissett when we're talking about kind of lacking a trigger to pull it deep, um, not having the awareness to throw before guys are open and kind of that big arm, big physical presence, kind of a lot of similar traits to Brissett. So I think if you're trying to get away from Brissett, picking him in the third round doesn't make much sense. Yeah, I, what, what drew me to uh, Wanago was kind of what they see in Costanzo. He's a real athletic guy. You know, one of Costanzo's best traits is he's able to get downfield the second level on runs. And I think that's what really separates him in, sort of in, in terms of being a, uh, a run offensive lineman. Um, but I, the only concern I have with him, Carter, and I want to get kind of your thoughts on this. I, I agree with the frame and stuff, but do you think his arms are a little too short in terms of being, you know, a premium left tackle? Because when I watched him, I saw a lot of times guys with longer arms or longer reaches can kind of give him trouble. So I don't know if that could be an issue for him in terms of being, you know, a, a quality long-term tackle. But other than that, I, I really liked what I saw from him and felt like that was one of our best uh, kind of value picks in this draft. Yeah, so some of the issues with the arms, his arms, I think, I still think, if I remember correctly, are like are above like the prototypical like threshold or whatever, like the 31 inches you want from your offensive tackles. But sometimes he'll kind of, um, he'll kind of lean over and like kind of overset um, and lose balance as a result. He's trying to like, he's trying to because I think again, lack of weight and lack of frame means he wants to overcompensate with his hand usage, right? So he kind of leans into the hands and gets off balance as a result and players kind of use that as leverage against him and, and get around him. So if he, so if he just puts on some weight and, and works on his technique, you think that's something that can be remedied? Yeah. I think he'll be more comfortable with kind of going against power and he won't have to kind of overset and overcompensate for his lack of weight and his lack of frame. Nice. So at 77 here in the third round, this is one of the picks that we picked up from Denver in that uh, trade for 34 overall. Uh, we take a guy that we just talked about for a split second, and Jacob Eason, quarterback from Washington. Um, really, all the quarterbacks, Jake, outside of really the the, the guys that are up there in the first round, uh, they kind of fell in this mock draft that we did. And I think getting Jacob Eason at 74 is a pretty big surprise. I think in real life, the Colts are probably going to have to take him at 34 or even 44. But luckily, we were able to get him here at 77. 
Uh, there were some other guys available like your guy, Chase Claypool. Jalen Hurts is also on the board still, uh, quarterback from Oklahoma, of course. And then Matthew Pert was still on the board there at 77. So, um, Carter, this is kind of where we're going to go into a probably a bigger discussion on any of our any of our picks because, of course, this is the quarterback. This is the biggest position in all of sports, arguably. Now, I know I, me and Jake are a little bit higher on Jacob Eason than maybe a, a lot of other people. Um, but I just think that I like what we're getting here at 77. And I kind of want to hear what, what you got to say more on Eason. I mean, he's my fifth-ranked quarterback. So if we're talking about guys past the first tier, he's the guy, like, in, in a vacuum I would take a shot on, right? Because he's got the big arm. He's got the talent. He's got the upside. He's got things that, again, Jake Fromm just doesn't have. Like, Jake Fromm is, is a nice player. He's an intelligent player. But I don't see his upside as more than a, a, a spot starter, right? And that's not something you want to take with a third-round pick. So, Eason, definitely the upside is worthy of a pick this high. He's probably going to go, like you said, top 50 on draft day, um, the way quarterbacks are pushed up the market. Jalen Hurts, interesting, because, you know, you talk about the character, you talk about the athleticism, but as a passer, he's even further away than, than what Jacob Eason's at right now. So what, with Jacob Eason, you're getting your prototypical passer, you're getting a guy with high upside, and in this draft class, it, it drops off fast, and he's the next guy after Jordan Love, to me, that you should take a shot on. No, I'm not saying that he's going to turn into anything special himself. He's very risky. Um, and like I said, he's got issues with kind of his trigger right now and lack of anticipation. Um, and, and against pressure, he struggles to kind of create off script. But if you're taking a shot on a guy and the Colts are in a position where they need to take a shot on a guy, him and Anthony Gordon would be the two that I'd say are the most worthwhile to take shots on. Yeah, and I, for Jacob Eason, I know you had mentioned earlier you didn't like the fit. I, I actually like the fit for the Colts just because, number one, he has a really quick release. And number two, he's deadly on play action which is one thing that Frank Reich utilized a lot with Andrew Luck and they had a lot of success with. And I find it interesting. You talked about the quick trigger. And one thing I was interested to ask you when you came on was, you know, when I watched him a lot at Washington, he was throwing into a lot of tight windows and obviously that was, you know, his first year there. So I wanted to get your thoughts on, is that just kind of his mental makeup that he's not a very fast processor or do you kind of attribute it that to number one, being in his first year as a starter at Washington, number two, not having that premium cast that some of these other guys like Hertz had. And, you know, do you think that with multiple years in a guy like Frank Reich's system, do you think that processing, he could gain more confidence in that and, and be more successful in that? Well, for sure. I think it's something you can always develop in. And that's why I think when you talk about him, the first thing you think about is upside, right? Cause he's got all the tools that you can't teach, but the things he needs to work on are things you can teach. Right. Um, so I think with him, it's you're expecting him to develop, right? You're banking on him to develop because right now he isn't ready himself, but you're banking on that development. As far as kind of the system goes, we saw at Georgia, he also had some of those same issues. I know he was a freshman and he was 18, so it was really hard to judge him. So that's why it gets kind of complicated, but he had those same issues in that year at Georgia. So it's something that I definitely think you can work on and why he's my fifth ranked quarterback and not my 12th ranked quarterback, right? but it's still issues that he has that those top four guys don't have as much of and kind of presents concerns for him. And see, that's kind of where I look at this, especially when we're talking a lot about Easton and Hertz, because I think Hertz has been getting a little bit hyped over the last couple of weeks, is that you look at the quarterbacks that Frank Reich has played or worked with. You look at, you know, Jim Kelly, Carson Wentz, Nick Foles. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other ones. Phillip Rivers, Peyton Manning. 
Andrew Luck. Those are more of those more they're more of pocket passers than they are scramblers. And I think that's going to kind of go into the decision factor whenever, because I think Frank Reich is going to have more say in this pick at quarterback than what Chris Boward's going to want. Maybe Chris Boward wants a more of an improviser like Hertz. Maybe Frank Reich wants a more of like a pocket passer like Jacob Beeson. I think that's kind of where the difference is in terms of those two is that, you know, Jacob Beeson is more of that, you know, you can throw him into really, not really any offense, but you can throw him into a pro style offense. Whereas with Jalen Hurts, you're going to have to kind of mold and create your own type of offense with him. And that's kind of where I see him. Even, you know, in the third round here, if Philip Rivers somehow goes goes down for a game or two and we get rid of Jacoby Brissett, you know, the level of offense that you're going to be able to run or however much you're going to have to run on offense with Jacob Eason, there's not going to be a whole lot of difference between him and Philip Rivers. But with Jalen Hurts, you're going to have to completely change your game plan. And I, I just like what like what Jake said, Jalen Hurt, Jacob Eason is really young. Now, so I think you can, you know, if Philip Rivers can produce two more years. I think in that third year, Jacob Eason could probably come out and be a top-level quarterback. Um, but one concern I have by him, Carter, and I, I, you could probably attest to this, and it, Jake, it, you know Jake bothers it too. It's He always scrambles left when he gets pressured. Sometimes he stands in there and uh, he'll fire in a deep throw, but there's sometimes he scrambles left, and I don't know why, but that bothers me so much. Yeah, his off-script ability, definitely one of the bigger question marks he has. He panics a lot under pressure. He's not really comfortable under pressure yet. And like you said, that's a kind of a big issue with him is he always goes left. And defenses are going to read up on that and key on that and know exactly what he's going to do. So sometimes he bails out of pockets too early going there. Sometimes he goes that way when he feels there's there's pressure and there's not, right? So that's an issue with him and his off-script ability, kind of like his ability to improvise, scramble, something Jordan Love has, something Jalen Hurts has, something that Chris Ballard might value because of guys like Patrick Mahomes, who he's kind of had a, not necessarily a hand in drafting, but been a part of those organizations that have drafted him. Um, Easton doesn't really have that. And in a league that's kind of ever-growing, um, that's putting an ever-growing priority on that, he doesn't really have that. But again, like you said, he has so many other strengths that that can kind of offset that but it's kind of something that needs to be noted moving forward. And I'll ask you this real quick, Carter. Me and Jake were talking about it right before the show. Do you think Easton needs to work more on his touch or his accuracy going into the next level? Because I think he's a fairly accurate quarterback. I just think if he works on his touch, especially in the middle to the short to intermediate throws, I think that will really help out his accuracy. I, I agree with that completely. His ball placement is is some of the best in the class. There's a lot of throws he makes that other guys just can't make. Like the thing with him – and Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is a naturally accurate passer, but Jalen Hurts doesn't have the natural ball placement, right? So accurate, he gets it on the receiver, but not in the places on the receiver that he can make it, like, or not the places on the receiver that he can then take the ball, like, to the best of his abilities, right? So, like, it, it'll be on the back shoulder when it should be on the front shoulder. There's stuff like that, right? So he's an accurate passer. He gets it to the player, but that ball placement, when it gets to the player, isn't great. What Jacob Eason has is he's a bit more erratic as far as accuracy goes, but his ball placement is much better. So you'll see it on the, on the front shoulder when it's supposed to be on the front shoulder, on the back shoulder when it's supposed to be on the back shoulder. Like a lot better as far as that goes. Um, and as far as touch goes, very one like strength quarterback right now, right? He zings it everywhere. So I think that needs to be worked on. I think it can be worked on. Um, we've seen other quarterbacks like Colin Kaepernick coming out of college was 
had never thrown a lob pass in his life and he turned into a decent touch passer as he moved forward in his NFL career. So you've seen that with a couple players and I think Eason could do similar. So we'll move on to the third round. We got the other pick from the Denver Broncos in the third round. Pick A3 overall. We got our tight end, or hopefully our future tight end, and Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. And this was a pick, Jake, going back and doing that mock, we weren't totally enamored about it. Uh, we weren't, you know, jumping up and down and singing hallelujah. But, I mean, I think what Hopkins could bring to this to this team right away. And I kind of – I really like this pick. There was other players like Darrell Taylor, Van Jefferson, a wide receiver from Florida, and even Hunter Bryant, the Washington tight end. With Bryson Hopkins, he's got these. He's got pretty good size coming out, and I think he'll be able to make an impact as a pass catching tight end uh, coming out. What do you think, Carter? So yeah, he's an, a perfect inline tight end. You don't want him blocking. You want to use him as a pass catcher. Very similar to how kind of they used Ebron, big physical red zone threat. He does have some issues with drops, which I know people might be scarred with from Ebron. Right? They might be. Um, concerned after Ebron did that but you're getting a younger and cheaper kind of version of Ebron very athletic inline tight end works the red zone very well big frame uses kind of you can tell he kind of has a basketball background the way he boxes out players in the red zone Um, so you're getting that type of player in him higher upside guy it's a weak tight end class and to me he's one of the best pass catchers in it and maybe the best fit with the Colts just as far as they need kind of that red zone threat so I think it's a very good pick at this point yeah I like the value on this guy too and you know, I'm with you, Carter. The one thing that, that scares me is drops. We just had, you know, that issue with Kobe Fleener and uh, Eric Ebron in years past. So I kind of take pause in drafting another guy that maybe has, you know, some good route running, good ability athletically, and, you know, can, you know, stretch the field a little bit, you know, and get, have that red zone threat. But, you know, I, I like the pick because of the value, but I'm just nervous about getting another guy that maybe has some hands issues. So we'll go into the fourth round now. We are at pick 122. And this is a guy a lot of people saw. Man, I kept me and Jay kept seeing him over and over again. This is a uh, this is a guy that performed really well at the Senior Bowl. Nick Code. He's going to be he's a tweener a little bit from Auburn. Plays edge. He can also play inside. Uh, I believe he was an edge or an outside linebacker in three four at Auburn. And I know me and Jake were not totally enamored by this pick as well, but the fact that he was at the Senior Bowl arguably one of the best players at the senior bowl during the drills during that week. And Chris Bauer has been able to see him. And I think there's still a little bit of a need on the edge on at least defensive line wise. I think this is the pick that we're going to make here. And there was some other players, Colin Johnson receiver from Texas, Thaddeus Young or Thaddeus Moss. Wow. Thaddeus Moss tied in from LSU and then Bradley and I, another, def- another defensive end uh, from Utah that they were on the board there. But um, I think just because he was at the senior bowl, he's got a good motor. He played kind of multiple positions inside the defense. Uh, we got Nick Coe going here at pick 122. Yeah, when we talk about a lot of Ballard's tendencies, right, you look at senior bowl, check, versatile, check, athletic, check, right? So he checks all those boxes. Um, he's a bit of a tweener right now. Doesn't have a, like a position, like you said. Is he an edge? Is he an interior defensive lineman? He's kind of a guy who can move around. I kind of compare him to, to Quentin Jefferson, who was on the Seahawks and now is on the Bills, who's kind of a big, big edge who can kind of shift inside on, on passing downs. Um, but he offers a lot of juice, a lot of motor, um, great burst. 
And he played on a defensive line with Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson. So it doesn't get much better than that. So he's kind of been used to having some great teammates around him. And he's a, a very good pick at this point. Yeah, you guys kind of nailed it. I don't really have anything else to add that we just really picked him because, like you said, he checks a lot of Ballard's boxes and, you know, there's some potential there in terms of versatility. So I thought it was a good pick at this point. So we'll move on to the fifth round now. We got one pick 160 and the Colts and or well, we we went with another receiver, the second receiver in this draft class. Uh, we went with Devin Duvernay out of Texas, kind of a bigger body receiver, another big body receiver for uh, the Indianapolis Colts. So Duvernay is interesting because he's built like a bowling ball. Like he's only like 5'11", but he is thick. Like he is looking at this guy on Wayne's at the senior bowl. This guy's quads are bigger than my head. Like <laughs> this guy is packed. Um, and you can see that on the tape, his contact balance as a runner is terrific. Like when he gets the ball in his hands, he's a running back with the ball. Um, he makes plays happen all over the field. He's great in like mesh drag like concepts like a lot like how Paris Campbell won is how he wins he's a lot stiffer though than Paris Campbell and he's even more raw as kind of a root runner than Paris Campbell was and that was already an issue with Paris Campbell so similar skill sets but I think with him the big thing is fluidity as a straight line athlete he's a 4-3 guy he won a bunch of track stuff in high school like he's a flat out burner and as far as running ability goes he's comfortable as a runner but it's that route running it's that creating separation on routes he hasn't really been developed yet in because he's at texas they used him in mainly always on screens gadget plays getting the ball in his hands early similar to how paris campbell won the ohio state so i think there's a developmental learning curve with him but at this value this late um you're getting a, an elite athlete and you're getting a guy who's comfortable with the ball in his hands so i think those are two huge boxes he checks that ballard will be very interested in yeah, a couple of things that drew me to him. Um, I, I really liked what I saw at the Senior Bowl from him. I thought he had a really strong Senior Bowl. He was an all-academic Big 12, which I think that'll draw Chris Ballard to him. He likes guys like that. And then his hands, I was really enamored with the hands. Um, so those were some of the things that drew me to him. And, and I felt like that getting him this late, maybe unrealistic, but I thought it was great value. Yeah, and I'll ask this real fast. Curry, you don't really know the Colts roster in and out, like kind of like what we do, but – with Duvernay here at the, in the fifth round, do you think he could push for that wide receiver four spot, maybe even wide receiver five and play a lot of special teams? I think so, especially on special teams. Like, I think he could be an excellent gunner and maybe even the primary. I know that you have Naheem Hines kind of – you want him to take that role as the punt returner, kick returner next year. But I could even see Duvernay taking that role. Um, dependability with his hands, you're talking about very dependable player. But you're also offering a lot more juice than a guy like Chester Rogers had in – that in those areas right so um i think he can definitely challenge for a role like that obviously reese fountain's coming back so um it, it depends on what what they see out of him but i think even they could definitely challenge for a role like that so we'll move on we have two more picks left we are now in the sixth round pick 193 and we go with a defensive back now that uh we've kind of filled out our offensive needs uh we go with lamar jackson the cornerback from nebraska big physical corner something that Chris Bauer loves. And you know, I think in the sixth round, a lot of people have been mocking Lamar Jackson to the Colts in the late round. I, I really loved um, the value that we got with this pick in the sixth round. Cause uh, me and Jake were talking about this pick alone for probably like 20 minutes. Like we could move, you know, we could possibly move Lamar maybe to safety, maybe Quincy Wilson to safety. You know, there's a lot going on in the Colts DB room. And I think we're going to add right here. We're going to add Lamar Jackson 
cornerback from Nebraska here in the late rounds. Yeah, you're talking about a big, physical, lengthy um, cornerback in Lamar Jackson. His wingspan, I think, was top in the class out of any CB. So with him, you're looking at like the raw traits, and his raw traits alone make him worth worthy of an investment this late. Um, at the Senior Bowl, he looked a little rough in coverage. His hips are really stiff. Um, he's not great in bump and run. So I think, again, a, a, con a conversion to safety is definitely possible. But if you're looking at him as a depth CB, because um, I know they're pretty set as far as starters go at CB. So if you're looking at him as a fourth or fifth CB with the kind of ability to be a safety, um, that versatility as a safety, that length to be able to use maybe on kick returns or in special teams, uh, very worth a selection at this point. So again, I'm not really banking on him becoming a starter, but at this point, you shouldn't be banking on your picks to become starters. Yeah, that that was our kind of thought process here. You're drafting a guy in a sixth round that fit a lot of Chris Ballard's boxes, you know, 32 and a quarter inch arms, you know, six, two really big guy, like you had said. So, you know, it, I, I think he's really shown a penchant to take chances on guys late in the draft that have a lot of raw athleticism, have like a Marvel tell type of guy. Um, you know, and I, I think that that's a good fit for what he's done in the past and the depth at corner is a little bit shaky right now. So I thought that that was a great pick for us. Do you think, uh, I'll ask you real fast. Do you think Lamar is more of a man to man corner or is he going to be more of a zone corner in the NFL? Uh, I think he's more of a zone, like using that length and using read and reactability as instead of kind of like hip fluidity and, and, and quickness with your feet. Um, you want kind of that zone, bigger corner Think Like, I mean, I'm not saying he's Richard Sherman, but like that's the type of usage you want out of him is, is downhill is better than going backwards. Right. So zone much better fit for him. Yeah. So do you think he would now, if he transitions to safety, do you think he's more of like a deep zone type of safety or is he like a, a covered or a deep, uh, deep uh, trying to think a two man type of deep safety. Uh, I'd rather have him kind of in a box role, just pursuing. Okay. Okay. So we'll go into the last pick now, and this is a pick that I completely handed over to Jake, and he took probably his draft crush here at pick 197. We went with James Lynch, interior defensive lineman from Baylor, and reading up on this guy, of course, he's got a lot of the measurables. He's He's a guy that's going to fight every down. He's he's an energy guy, a guy I think Matt Ufus absolutely probably really loves watching the tape. Pretty versatile in, in, uh, on defensive line. And I think getting him at 197 here, I mean, it's it's basically a crapshoot. I think he could end up making the back end of the roster, even being a practice squad type of guy. And I think if you're getting that at 197, I think that's a fairly good value. A high motor. Uh, very versatile. Will probably play three tech, but it could also become a bigger five tech. Um, led the NCAA in pressures last year, so very productive. Again, you're getting a productive motor, smart player. I think he was all academic Big 12, if I remember correctly. Um, so I think those check a lot of Valor's boxes, and um, I think he's a, a very good pick now. I know he's been getting kind of buzz higher than this. I think he's kind of a reach if you're expecting like a third or fourth rounder that's going to be able to start but if you're looking at a depth piece which is what you're looking at at this point great great value yeah the the one thing that keeps me off of him and probably what keeps him from being much higher on the board is just the um athleticism you know kind of the the tangibles i think that you know i watched him a lot um you know because he was a guy that i really really liked and you know the the production and stuff but you know i just think that that one thing that moves him off of, of ballot's radar might be the athleticism 
I didn't really see much of that in college, but I just think the production in terms of what he was able to do. And like you said, all academic big 12, another thing, the motor is very high. So I think he's a great gamble with this. I, I don't think he'll be there just because of what I've seen. I, I just love his motor, but you know, if we're able to get him here, I'd love it. So that's going to conclude our mock draft. We only wanted to do one of them. I, I, I honestly, me and Jake think it's kind of ridiculous that people do 500 mock drafts. I think it's, a little bit overblown. Carter might disagree with me on that one, but um, Carter, give us a little take. Uh, this will come out on Monday, so uh, give us a little tease on anything that you've got going on in Draft Network that's coming out pre-draft for all the fans. All right, so I just dropped uh, earlier this week my receiver report for this year, so it's got over 50 receivers analyzed and ranked, a lot of production and analytical stuff for all of them, scouting reports for all of them. Uh, over 150 pages of content and so that, that's for premium members if you want to check out so i'd recommend that also on our site kyle Krabs released his top 300 big board um that he has analysis for all those 300 players that's a great guide if you want just to like print out and have on draft day looking through uh and as far as content for the rest of the week goes i'll have my final mock draft coming out i'll have my big board coming out on the free part of the site and also an interview piece um, on a certain prospect so keep a lookout for that that's a good teaser so um that's going to conclude this episode of the circle city sports podcast carter we appreciate you very much for coming on man appreciate you having me yeah and um we'll try to have you on after draft and we'll, we'll have plenty of content to be able to talk about so make sure you follow Car uh twitter or carter at on twitter at c d o n n i c k three on twitter you're going to see a bunch of funny memes, but you're also going to see really good draft analysis. So uh, we appreciate you guys coming on and listening to the show. And we hope you guys have a good rest of the day.